Hello, Carmen. How you doing? I'm doing good, Jim. How you doing? I had to tell you, I'm getting started so you can stop laughing. Yeah, I know. We have a good time here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we won't tell people what goes on before we start broadcasting. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. All, 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 we'll, all we'll say is that it's not cut and dry. We, we usually... Uh, what goes on before the program kind of carries over onto the program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of know. times it does. It, it does, you know. Uh, uh, so how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Uh, we're having a heat wave. <laughs> Sounds a, like a, a song. A tropical heat wave. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we won't sing this, folks. No, no, we we'll, we'll, spare, we'll spare you. Because we don't want you turning us off. <laughs> we'll, spare, we'll spare you that joy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Or that misery, depending <laughs> on <laughs> yeah. one of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we're right in the midst of a little heat spell as we're recording this. So. Yeah. So, uh, but it's summertime. It is. It's supposed to be hot in the Yeah, summer. yeah. You so, know? somebody was telling me about, uh, just yesterday, somebody was telling me about, I was unaware of this. In Canada, they have uh, the Yukon, which is a, a northernmost province, I guess, of Canada, mm-hmm. or at least one of them. It was such a large territory that they uh, they divided it into two provinces. And I don't even remember the name that he told me, but this he's, he was telling me about this area. He says, the highest it gets all year long is 30 degrees. I said, eh, there's no way. No way. I said, God would have to write it neon lights across the sky for me to move to that part. <laughs> of Canada or that part of the world where the warmest it gets is 30 degrees. I said, that is just crazy. <laughs> so, hey, I was talking to a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Vard, and, uh, and I was talking about how <clears throat> um, one time I saw unseasonable weather around this area here, you know, and uh, he was saying that out where he comes from, I guess out in Wisconsin or Michigan, Michigan, that uh, that kind of happens on a more regular basis. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, but uh, I don't like the cold, cold. No, I don't either. That's why you I said know, I like summer. You know, uh, I, I just I, man, I just uh, yep. I, I'm not crazy about the cold, cold. You know, uh, I know. I'm mean, I'll go out in it for a little bit, <clears throat> but I want to come in out of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I just I think of the guys that I see working road crews and everything in sure. the middle of the winter. I said, sure. Oh Lord, I'm so thankful that you did not give me a job working out side in the winter like this in january when it's uh uh five degrees and these guys are out there working and everything i was when i was a young man carmen i had a job that had to work outside for eight hour shift so you know what it's like firsthand i didn't get to come in not at all my whole shift was outside during the winter that see that uh, i said so lord i said I, I I have a lot to be grateful for. That yeah. you <laughs> Listen, the only Doing the that. only saving grace in that job was the fact that uh, it kept me moving because it was pretty busy. Yeah. So it kept me moving. So my body heat and everything, you know, it kept me moving. Yeah. And the uh, only heat we had was like a barrel, one of those big drums with oh, stuff yeah. burning in it. Oh, yes, yes. To kind of keep our hands a little warm at uh. that. That's all we had, man. And... Uh, I'll tell you what I was doing. Uh, we were using these cranes with these magnetic hooks to hook on the end of a pipe that was being shipped to Alaska, the Alaskan pipe. Oh, really? And so I, I was uh, I had a grunt job that I had to get up on this pipe and hook this the, the, the ends yeah. this, uh, these uh, cranes to, to, to grab the ends to these pipe so it could be uh, loaded. You okay. Know what I mean? And man, I tell you. Yeah, that was a, that was a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if that pipe started moving or something? Uh, oh man, it was 
the things we do for money. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it's amazing. And but I was able to progress. And you say I was motivated. Yeah, yeah. That would motivate you big time. <laughs> I motivate. I, I moved pretty quick, man. I moved into a uh, uh, a millwright mechanic job. You know, okay. I kept taking tests. I said, "Oh man, no!" I, I, yeah, that I, gives you incentive to to, oh, to move on no, it's, it's to like, to move up the ladder. Either so to that speak. or quit the job. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, man, like, man, I can't keep doing this. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, this is a suicide <laughs> mission. You know. What I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, like somebody has to do it, but why yeah, me? Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Oh yeah. boy. But, but, uh, but, no, no I don't like the cold, man. I, I've experienced it. Couple yep. A couple times in my life, man, it's no fun. You and I are on the same page uh, there. That's why I like. But uh, right now summer. it's hot. Yeah, but even though I like the hot weather, yeah, I still like air conditioning. Well, you know, I, I, for I inside. I appreciate the air conditioning sure. here here in the house here. You know, yeah. So that uh, you know it's nice and comfortable in here right now. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so uh, uh, I appreciate it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> So what's on your heart, man? Well, I was just going to ask you the same thing because I see you have uh, uh, you have a couple pages here of, uh, and Jim's not going to sit and read a couple pages to you, but uh, well, well, he has some things here. Uh, I see the heading says Ephesians six. Well, it wouldn't be uh, the first time that I printed off something. That we oh, never, I know. That we I never know. got around to. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. it wouldn't be the first time, but. Uh, yeah, just just something. Uh, By the of, way, this is what we were talking about before we came on the air, folks. Sure, so, sure. so now you know. Just something was on my heart, and I don't even know where it came from, man. It must have been something I read or something I experienced. I think it was something I experienced, and I won't get into the details. But I was thinking about something personal that happened in the family of someone who's a close friend of mine. Okay. Kind of related to this whole armor bearer thing. That's what I want to talk about a little bit. And Jim is going to explain what he means by armor bearer. So well, hang with us here. Well, armor bearer, you know, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, an armor bearer was somebody who carried the armor for uh, 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 somebody that was going into battle, you know. And, uh, and uh, that was a huge process, you know what I mean? Uh, talks about David and his armor bearer right. that went up to the camp of the Philistines and uh, defeated them, just the two of them. So right. David had an armor bearer. And Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan. and uh, and uh, so you know, armor bearers are, are were uh, valid uh, uh, people in physical warfare. Right, right. But somewhere along the line, this whole idea has gotten over into the certain segments of the church, primarily the charismatic church, and it's been real strong in the African American segments of the uh, charismatic mm. church. But but in other areas too, not just African American. I've seen in other areas too. Yes, and uh, of this whole thing of having armor bearers. Yes, uh, usually relegated to people who go by the title of bishop or apostles or uh, things of this sort, yes. prophets or you know, uh, and and some pastors in larger churches. Oh yeah, you know, having armor bearers. I know I know of pastors, uh, one specifically that has. Armor bears. Yeah, and and maybe or at least he did. Yeah, maybe to maybe to, to give a little background on this here. This is an article that Lee Grady wrote, uh, two thousand twelve. It's not a, a long time ago, but he was talking. In the title of the article, he said, "To train a new generation for ministry, you must get rid of pride and pretension." Ah, and this is what we're talking about a little bit on this program here: pride and pretension mm-hmm. within the body of Christ yes. in the church. 
Would you say that that's a problem? <laughs> I, put, I put you on the hot seat, Carmen. Because well, listen, I want to talk about what's right with the church. Yeah. A lot of times we talk about what's wrong with it, well, especially you, in terms of the systems sure. and structures. But you can well, tell by my reaction what my answer to that is. I well, didn't even say an answer, but just by my reaction to that, you know. Is there, is there, sure there's a problem. There's a pride with pride and attention. He, uh, I'll just skim over this, but Lee Grady was saying he had a friend who wanted a mentor. And he wanted to learn uh, ministry, so he asked the older pastor for some training. The pastor agreed. But then what the pastor did, he didn't really want a, 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 a son in the ministry. He didn't want somebody he could mentor. He wanted a valet. Yes. One of the servant. Yeah, he wanted a slave, really. Yeah. And then, uh, and this is what happens with a lot of people with this whole armor bearer thing. Yes. You know, uh, they carry the, the person's Bible, uh, mm-hmm. uh, other acronyms, uh, uh, things of that sort, their coat, if they have one, things of that sort, you know, and, and this is the uh, armor bearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, and it, it's just strange. It's a strange practice. Uh Lee Grady says, this bizarre trend became popular in churches about 20 years ago, but it's still thriving. And it appeals to insecure leaders who need an entourage to make them feel important. Oh, boy. Lee Grady said that, and I agree totally. Yes. Some pastors have even assigned trainees to serve as bodyguards, complete with dark glasses and concealed yeah. weapons. Uh, looks now, like the mafia. Well, some people might be listening to this. They never experienced it. Yeah. But 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 th- this this true. is an actual thing that is happening in to, the body of Christ. I've gone to conferences where I've, yes. seen, I've seen this here, and and uh, these young men are instructed to keep people away from the pastor, ah. so that he doesn't have to talk to anyone after a church service. Because after all, the poor preacher might be drained of his anointing if he fraternizes with common folks. <laughs> and then Lee, Lee Grady said, "Excuse me while I barf." <laughs> 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 and he, then, he, then he goes on to say, I'm not sure what's more nauseating, that some pastors think they are discipling young leaders by exploiting them, or that church members tolerate such pompous behavior yes. from so, some so-called men of God. Now, that's, yes. now that, that's, that's, that's what I want to key in on. Yes. We have been so gullible that we have just allowed certain people just to do anything. And we deceive ourselves by doing that. We think that we're doing the will of God. We think that we're, uh, we're adhering to uh, scriptural principles. And the result is, as you said, it's pride with a capital P that uh, is taking place. And as you said, we're so gullible, we fall for it and uh, think, oh, well, we're doing God's will and that kind of thing. And the, the very thing is... is well, the, it doesn't come from God. Let me just say that. It doesn't come. Now, now what you and I and, and our friend Vard, we were together, uh, as we usually get together, and uh, one of you, I think it might have been you, Carmen, mentioned that there's a reality program that's supposed to be coming on. Yep. Huh? And it it is. Is that for real? I, from what I saw, I saw this on the, on the internet. And uh, somebody e. I, somebody sent me an email on this and gave me the uh, gave me the link to it. So uh-huh. I uh, I logged on to the link and they had a trailer, and it was sickening. Oh, uh, uh, th- 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 there is going to be a reality show, and they've chosen six pastors, 
And I know one, I know the name of one of the pastors and, and they showed some others, but I don't know if I recognize all of them. But anyways, these are six pastors that are probably millionaires or multimillionaires driving Rolls Royces and uh, just the kind of thing you were describing. And uh-huh. uh, uh, they, they certainly don't, to me, their their pattern, their lifestyle does not reflect Jesus at all. Not even, it, not it, even it, a little bit. It reflects, it, it looks more like a corporation head, CEO, or a, a crime boss, or something like that. The lifestyle that they're living, and uh, all this ostentatiousness, and that kind of thing. It just, so what I saw, you know, when that thing comes on. They, they uh, probably have armor bears. I, I bet they do. Uh, you know, I bet they do. I, I'm uh, with, with the way it looked and everything. Um, and if this thing actually becomes a reality, I, I think it's supposed to begin in the fall sometime. I, I don't know. I hope it was a spoof, Carmen. Yeah, I hope, well, I, I hope do it, too. I hope it was some kind of parody. Yeah. I hope it's not for real. Yeah, but if it if it comes on, I probably am going to watch uh, uh, one show or the first show. I just want to get an idea of just how you're ridiculous gl- this thing is. You're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I said, going to watch one show. Uh, uh, I, I may not, but I don't. I couldn't stand to sit and watch that thing every week oh, uh, like man. that. But oh, it man. is. Uh, I said the only good that can come out of it. I would. I would uh, trust is that God is going to expose this stuff for what it is. And uh, but in the meantime, there's going to be a lot of damage done to. Uh, uh, to what we would call Christianity, uh, to the church. Now you said, where, where does this whole idea come from? This whole armor bearer mm-hmm. thing. Uh, in scripture, an armor bearer also spelled all one word. Armor bearer was a servant who carried additional weapons for commanders. Um, uh, and then some of the places is uh, Abimelech in Judges nine fifty four, Saul First Samuel sixteen twelve, Jonathan First Samuel fourteen six to seventeen, and Joab. Second Samuel eighteen fifteen had armor bearers. Armor bearers were also responsible for killing enemies wounded by their masters. Uh, and it goes on to talk about it. After the time of David, armor bearers were no longer mentioned, likely due to the fact that commanders began to fight from chariots. Some churches today have instituted a figurative position of armor bearer. In other words, usually it's not even paid, right? Yes. The duties range widely, but generally speaking, a church armor bearer carries the in parentheses, armor of a church leader, such as the leader's Bible, the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6.17, Hebrews 4.12. In some instances, a church armor bearer essentially serves as a church leader's bodyguard. Is the idea of a church armor bearer biblically based? No, it is not. Does the concept of a church armor bearer contradict anything in scripture? Not necessarily. Any church considering such a position should prayerfully study God's word and make sure the responsibilities assigned in no way conflict with the New Testament's teaching on the church. The fact that the New Testament nowhere mentions armor bearers and nowhere describes any of the apostles, prophets, elders having a person in that role should give pause to any church considering instituting the role of armor bearer. Well... That says it pretty plain. I, I think so. I, I think I think I think that's pretty pretty plain. Carmen, we're not supposed to have armor bearers. We're supposed to put on our own armor. Right. And Ephesians see, six makes it pretty clear. And and you know uh, the armor bearers have they are reduced to being servants. That's right. Now obviously 
we're all to be servants. That's right. But here's, here's the catch. Jesus said, I am not one, I am one who is among you to serve. He That's says, right. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. To serve. And those that have uh, gathered armor bears around themselves, uh, you know, I don't care what they want to call it or what they want to say their motivation is for it. The fact of the matter is they have reduced those individuals who are armor bears to their servants. And you're here to serve me. Uh, and you're here to, uh, to, to be at my beck and call. And that just flies in the face of what uh, Jesus modeled and what Jesus taught. You know, I, I, I thought about this, given a little thought, not a lot of thought, right? But I thought about this even when uh, churches uh, start to become larger, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I know some pastors who, who pastor fairly large churches, and I've seen it modeled in their lives to where they stay away from a lot of this foolishness. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that they do that is because they don't allow themselves to be sucked into a lot of this kind yeah. of stuff that we're talking about right here. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so a person has to be very intentional that they don't get caught up in every wave Yes, yes. Because <laughs> these things come and they go, Carmen. Oh, yes. And, you know, they're fads. They're, they're fads, and, man. And, you know, uh, anytime something is, is a fad, uh, at least my take on it is, if it's a fad, it's not of God, because God doesn't deal with fads. I mean, the kingdom is uh, now and forever, so it doesn't change. It doesn't waver. It doesn't move in fads. The kingdom or the reign of God, you know, is continual, and it doesn't say, oh, well, let's let's do this, you know. And uh, fads are associated with the flesh. That's right. It's just that simple. That's and right. uh, God, uh, the kingdom of God, is not of this world, is not of the flesh. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, while we have some time, Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6 gives pretty clear instructions in terms of this whole thing about the armor. Oh, yes. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is yes. a, this is a New Living Translation. Okay. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not... Now, what does it say? Put on all of whose armor? Yeah. See, uh, that's it. God's armor, right? God's armor. Okay, so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Mm -hmm. For now, if it's God's armor, don't you think God would have gave instructions on how it was to be <laughs> carried and work? Okay, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Yes. Whose armor? It's God's armor. It's God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Staying your ground, putting on, and then it goes on to list these uh, aspects of the armor, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now the reason I use this translation is because it's pretty clear. Yes. It's pretty clear what it's talking about, right? Right. And then right. it says, above all, now this, you like this here. Yeah. You like this here. Yeah. And it says, pray... In the spirit at all times. Yes. And on all occasions. Now some people make that out to be different things. Right. I think it's talking about tongues. 
See? Now I'll, I'll go out on the I'll go out on the there deep limb. I'll take the pressure off of you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's here's the problem. I was talking with someone just yesterday, and I said, "You know what our problem is here in in the West, and that is that we are products of the Enlightenment and the Age of Reason, and man was elevated to the place of God, and so man had to have answers for everything. We we knew everything. We explained everything. Well, the God." is beyond our little pea brain minds to be able to explain. And when he moves in the supernatural, basically man, basically the West has rejected the supernatural. Oh, yeah. Why? Because they can't explain it or understand it. And, and, that, comes, that, and that comes from, that comes from um, uh, an age of reasoning and, exactly. and, and the whole scientific model. And so we have to understand everything. And if we can't not break it down and analyze it, understand it and explain it, then we reject it. So, which means if we reject the supernatural, it's a slippery slope because what we've seen is this. If we reject the supernatural power of God, then ultimately we reject God because because we can't understand God. The supernatural is all in the Bible. That's it. All through the Bible. All through the Bible. Somehow we reject this thing. And, and I'm, you know, I was thinking, Jim, I, I'm sure you remember, but back in the 60s and, uh, and the 70s when the hippie movement was at its zenith uh, sure. like that, uh, a lot of these uh, uh, rock bands and the members of the rock bands and then uh, followers, the hippies. With Jesus on the main line. Tell them what you want. Yes, yes. <laughs> what a lot of them Jesus were Jesus is all right with me. That was the song you were thinking about. Yes, the yeah. The Doobie Brothers. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we know of, uh, somebody that got saved. He was in a drunken stupor, and he yeah. got saved listening to that song by the yeah. Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, what has happened uh, back, back in, the, uh, in the heyday of the, the hippie movement, a lot of those hippies were going over to India and to the eastern countries to uh, get into the Eastern religions. Oh, yeah. One of the reasons, a big reason, why they were doing that, they didn't see anything in Christianity that was worth giving their their lives to. They saw no power, no supernatural dimensions of it. So obviously, they were looking elsewhere. They said, well, we've seen this. This doesn't have anything to offer. This is just the same as any other philosophy and just any other thing like this. And uh, I'm saying, ah, we have so emasculated the gospel that we have stripped God of any kind of power and any kind of ability to move through his people to do that which needs to be done to bring wholeness. Now, it's important that we say, now you said we have in our own minds. In our own minds. We've done this because God's still the same. Oh, he God's hasn't still, changed one bit. God's still got power and, exactly. and authority and everything else. He hasn't changed. Exactly. But in our own minds, yes. we've limited him in our own minds, in our own thinking, mm-hmm. to who he is and what he can do. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it's interesting, Jim, we've talked about this before. Uh, anybody that follows closely, your, your scholars and your theologians, they, they will say because it is so obvious to anybody that is just looking, you can almost look casually. The, the, the shift, the center of Christianity has shifted from the Western Hemisphere to the Eastern Hemisphere right. and from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere right. so that it's basically 
third world countries, what we would consider third world countries, that are seeing the power of God and he is moving. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are getting set free. People are experiencing God in ways that we've only dreamed of a lot of times in the West, you know. And it, it sounds like the book of Acts all over again in, in, in these countries. And uh, um, Phil Yancey, who, is a, who has wrote, written a lot of uh, uh, Christian uh, works and right. so forth, uh, he's a real favorite author among Christians. He made this statement. He says, well, he says, what I've discovered is God goes where he is wanted. Mm. A- and it seems like in the West, well, we want the theology, we want the doctrine, and we want all of this. But God, uh, we-, we really don't want you and all of your power and that kind of thing. Because we're a little uncomfortable with that. We don't know how to handle that. In fact, we can't control that. So, uh, mm. So God just says... Well, I'll go where the people will accept me like this. And uh, I think of the statement where Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and he's knocking on the door of the church. Yeah. You know, he's not, uh, we've used that for evangelistic uh, reasons. But if you read the context, he's knocking on the door of the church. That's right. And saying, will you let me in? And That's the church right. says, no, we already have our theology here. We don't want you coming in, Jesus, and messing it up. <laughs> and he will mess up our theology. <laughs> Ask me how I know that. <laughs> well, Carmen, it, it is, I'll go so far as to say, it is a delusion. Yeah, that's it. To, that's think, it. to think that you can live and thrive in God mm-hmm. without the power of God. That's it. That's it. it, it I, I'll say it's a, a delusion. Yes, yes. Now, you, you know what, Jim? Um uh, I want to go back to something you said. Sure. So I, I'm, I'm going to cover you here because go you ahead. may have gotten yourself in trouble with some people. <laughs> I, 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 that, that's fine. On this verse that you uh, referred to in Ephesians uh, where it says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And you said praying in the Spirit is? I, I believe primarily it's talking about praying in tongues. Okay, now... The reason I want to go back to this is because you're talking about the armor of God. That's right. Well, Paul Paul speaks of the different pieces of the armor of God. That's right. And then he concludes that whole portion by saying, and pray in the Spirit. That's right. See? Now, tongues is the only one of the gifts mentioned there in 1 Corinthians 12. Tongues is the only gift that is for personal edification and building up. That's right. Well, what is Paul talking about here? Putting on the armor of God that we can stand against That's the right. power of the enemy. And God has given us this gift here That's right. so that we can uh, be, uh, stand against the power of the enemy like that. That's the right. enemy doesn't know what we're praying. That's right. <laughs> See? That's and right. so we're, we're praying in the spirit, you know, That's right. from the spirit. We bypass the mind That's right. where our understanding kicks in. And That's right. so our spirit is directly communicating with God without having to formulate these words in our mind and think what we're saying. And so there's this freedom. It just flows like that. That's right. And so here we are. And do we know what we're pray- praying about this? No, but, the sp- but our spirit goes deeper than our minds do. Uh, our minds. And so w- our spirit understands. We're communing directly with the Father, directly with God. That's right. By his spirit, see? That's right. And, and so it really is a defense mechanism 
against the power of the enemy. Sure. And it is part of the armor of God. Sure. And yet we reject this. It becomes very controversial. And one reason why, I think, is because, again, we don't understand it. And so, well, we don't understand it, therefore we reject it. Or it's not for today. It was just for the first century. And, uh, you know, we talked about this before, I think. And the people that are cessationists, I'm, uh, you, you may have stepped in deep water. I'm going to jump in with you here. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll look, both be in the deep water. Well, Carmen, I've stepped in deep water. I think you're getting ready to step in something else. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, when I talk about cessationists and people that say uh, the gifts of the Spirit are no longer for today, uh-huh. the supernatural gifts, you know, I, I am to the point of almost saying, you know, that tends to border on heresy mm. Bec- for this reason. You're saying that the, uh, things that the Holy Spirit is doing today, when the Holy Spirit heals, when the Holy Spirit uh, functions in the supernatural capacity, w- as a cessationist says, no, that's, that, God doesn't do that anymore. So if God doesn't do it, there's only two, there's only two categories left. It's either the flesh or the devil. So when you start attributing the works of God to the flesh and the devil, because that's what cessationists have to do, and cessationists are those that those people that say, "Well, uh, God doesn't move in, in power anymore. God doesn't move in the gifts anymore, like we read in Scripture." Yeah. Well, um, uh, tell that tell that to people who have been healed. That's right. Or tell that to people who have been raised from the dead, that's and right. there's documented evidence of that. That's right. Uh, coming out of. Uh, uh, the South and, and and the East, and even in even in the West in, sure. in America, sure. and you're one, you're one that can testify to that. Oh, I can testify to it, but I'll tell you something else. I can testify to that uh, we don't have any more time for that. <laughs> Boy, that went fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sprang that on us quick. Okay. So, so 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 any other testifying we do will have to be on the next program. Okay, Jim. So till next time, Carver. <laughs>